Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath all right folks happy thursday one and all welcome to the fertile show i am crystal heath in case you were wondering and we have so much to talk about today we are broadcasting live from liberty baptist church in las vegas service times 9 30 and 11 15 sunday morning 6 p.m sunday evening all right so yesterday uh alabama did or actually i think it was it on tuesday they passed this Earlier this week, the Alabama legislature passed this uh, abortion uh, piece of legislation, which we talked about earlier this week on uh, on Drive Time with Friddle here on KVXL. But the governor has officially signed this bill into law. Um, her statement was really good, which I did not pull up here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um. But essentially what it does is it makes uh, abortion illegal, essentially, in the state um, in almost every instance. There's not exception for rape or incest. There is only exception for the life of the mother, um, and and this would be punishable. The, uh, the woman seeking an abortion would not be liable. However, any doctors or... or um, or organizations performing abortions would be liable, punishable by life in prison or 99 uh, years. So Alabama's governor, she said in a statement after signing the law, Kay Ivey, said to the bill's many supporters, this legislation stands as a powerful testament to Alabamans' deeply held belief that every life is precious and that every life is a sacred gift from God. That's a powerful statement. Now, Alabama already had some of the strictest abortion laws in the nation. They had a 48-hour waiting period, mandatory counseling. Many women would actually leave the state uh, to seek abortions so that they would not have to go through Alabama's uh, procedures they already had set in place. And Alabama's Republicans that brought this bill forward are not simply hoping that this will save lives in Alabama. No, the purpose, the underlying purpose of this bill is that they want this to be challenged. They want this thing to go to the Supreme Court. They want for our justices to look at Roe versus Wade again to determine whether or not this is a human life. And if it is a human life, at what point does that life begin and or deserve protection. There are 16 other states besides Alabama that are considering legislation, if not to this degree, uh, to at least expand upon abortion legislation in those states. This is a conversation that I believe is headed in the right direction <coughs> Excuse me for our country. This is something, this is a topic that uh, I, I believe with, with technology and by the grace of God, as, as science expands and people learn and grow more and more and more, it is just becoming absolutely impossible to not realize that this is a human life and that this is murder when we are killing these babies. Now, 
I talked about this earlier this week. I'm not. I, I don't want to spend too long on this topic today because we did talk about it earlier this week. But I I completely uh, believe that we need to look at reforming uh, our our. Uh, our foster system, the way we do adoption in this country, we need to, we need to, there's, again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. So there's, there's a lot more to this issue than just simply uh, outlawing abortions, right? We need to look at support systems for mothers. We need to look at support systems for fathers and how do we get fathers to stay involved because that is a huge problem uh, in this country and in specific demographics uh, that that seek abortions uh, that is often uh, more of a problem. So we need to look at more than simply uh, the abortion issue itself. Like what is causing uh, this? How do we prevent women from even wanting this? So we we, we need to look at those things, but what this does is a step in the right direction by s- literally saving lives. Like, if we believe that life is a gift from God, and that life begins at conception, and that that baby is a life, then that life is worthy of protection, and we can start there. I know a lot of people are, are saying, well, what about all these other things that we need to work on? I agree we need to work on all these other things, but we that doesn't mean that we can't also uh, move forward in looking at Roe versus Wade again and how we can save lives as we improve in all aspects of family life uh, in this country and around the world. So that's what's happening uh, with with that in Alabama and elsewhere. And I I didn't I don't mean to rush through it this morning because this is a huge deal. But like I said, we've we've talked about it before uh, earlier this week. I'm sure that you all have seen this. It has been going around on all the social media, um, and it's it's good news. And and we celebrate what is happening in Alabama and the fact that this will likely go to the Supreme Court. Not celebrating. <laughs> like a lack of women's rights. No, we're celebrating the fact that lives will be saved. Anytime that innocent life is protected, anytime that innocent life is preserved, anytime that innocent life is rescued and saved, that is a time uh, to rejoice. But I want to move on. Though we rejoice with what's happening there, we already have earlier this week, I want to move on to something that isn't getting as much attention and that I think deserves as much attention. Uh, well, maybe not as much. Oh, well, it's really hard. How do you... I don't, okay, I'm just going to jump into this, okay? The Equality Act, H.R. 5, in Congress right now, likely going to be voted on this week or next. This is a big, big deal. You may or may not have read about this. You may or may not have heard about it, depending on your particular place for getting your news. But the Equality Act, you may have guessed, since equality is used in the verbiage of the act, that this bill might be anything but actually equal. In fact, it's downright scary. This bill, in essence, would remove all religious or religious conscience protections for individuals and businesses with regards to their interactions with anyone who might identify as gay, transgender, bisexual, or what have you by adding alternative gender identities to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. 
Now, you probably know the Civil Rights Act 1964 banned segregation on the grounds of race, religion, national origin, uh, in all places of uh, where the public would be accommodated, uh, like courthouses, parks, restaurants, theaters, sports arenas, hotels, and so on. It also barred... Um, uh, discrimination by employers and labor unions based on race, uh, religion, nationality, uh, gender, and it created a, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, uh, and then was expanded later on to bring uh, bring in and cover disabled Americans, the elderly, and even women in collegiate athletics under its umbrella. So obviously, huge, huge deal. Something that was very good, very necessary in our country at that time. The Equality Act wants to open up and expand the Civil Rights Act by adding sexual orientation and gender identity as protected groups under the Civil Rights Act. Now, while the Civil Rights Act already bans discrimination on the basis of, of gender, H.R. 5 changes the meaning, it, it uses the word sex, um, and we're talking about gender in that in this context, it changes the meaning of sex or gender from the basic biological meaning of male and female. So H.R. 5 will actually broaden the term of what would be covered under the Civil Rights Act uh, in four ways. It, sh it would cover um, a gender or sex stereotype, pregnancy, childbirth, or any related medical condition, sexual orientation or gender identity, and sexual characteristics, including intersex traits. Now, the Civil Rights Act, which recognized the need for actual human equality, that skin color does not determine one's humanity, but recognizes the worth of every human, and was expanded to protect the elderly and to allow women a place to compete in their own sports and so forth, would actually be undermined by this so-called Equality Act. How so? Well, the Civil Rights Act rightfully recognized that mankind are equal, and in Title IX, which was added on later, uh, that women are different than men but should have opportunity of like measure. The Equality Act would eliminate that recognition, allowing transitioning men to compete against women in the very sports the Civil Rights Act follow-up of Title IX established to protect women's rights. I mean, how does a man competing against women protect or expand women's rights in any way? It doesn't. Furthermore, while the Civil Rights Act outlawed discrimination based on religion, the Equality Act would effectively set the opposite in place by eliminating right of conscience or religious conscience as any defense in a given situation. So in effect, your religious beliefs would now be recognized officially by the government not as a right to be protected, but as discrimination to be stamped out. Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen put it this way. They said the Equality Act takes basic biblical teachings and labels them discriminatory. It puts the full force and influence of the federal government behind enforcing this law and opposing Christian beliefs. The law is a powerful teacher, and the Equality Act would teach that Christian thinking about male-female differences, marriage, parenting, family, and sexuality are rooted in prejudice rather than in years of wisdom, reason, and biblical exegesis. 
We've already seen the negative consequences of SOGI, which is sexual orientation and gender identity. That's the abbreviation. Uh, legislation at the state and local level for adoption agencies, churches, wedding venues, florists, bakers, and photographers. Federal SOGI legislation would have even more adverse consequences for people of faith, with the federal government calling our Christian views intolerant and bigoted. And you're like, well, okay, but maybe that's an overreaction, because, I mean, it is from Focus on the Family. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's let's look at, I, I pulled up an article that Reason.com had. Uh, Reason, for those of you who don't know, is not, <laughs> is not a conservative uh, website in any way, shape, or form. But they had an article, uh, was this yesterday? No, this is actually today. So they had an article this morning. Uh, headline, with the Equality Act, Congressional Democrats want to redefine sex to include gender identity and sexual orientation. Subheader, here's why that's a bad idea, and it has nothing to do with God's wrath, women's rights, rollbacks, or locker room predators. So things that, you know, those of us on the conservative side of this thing and the Christian perspective might find as an issue, such as focus on the family uh, and, and myself and probably many of you listening, even those who don't hold to those standards or belief find problems with the Equality Act. The author of this article actually goes on to quote the Alliance Defending Freedom, which I don't know if they realize that that's... Anyway, uh, they said, uh, they quoted uh, Greg Baylor as saying that every American should be treated with dignity and respect, but our laws need to protect the constitutionally guaranteed rights that we have. And if this bill passes, we will see a proliferation of instances where Christians and others are being coerced to violate their beliefs in order to comply with such a law. The writer, at reason, says this, At least that much is extremely likely. While the worst and most paranoid interpretations of this bill are pure culture war pageantry, there are definite threats to religious and academic freedom in the bill. And there are legitimate uncertainties about what legislation like this would mean for the sorts of sex, gender, segregated spaces, services, programs, opportunities, and the like that people of all political persuasions support. The Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, women-only co-working spaces, scholarship opportunities that exclude men, and so much more. Perhaps most worrying is that with the provisions extending to the Internet, the bill could potentially serve as a backdoor to regulating social media. We've seen similar policies from digital platforms and from schools come down hard on people fighting against oppression by failing to consider context, sarcasm, hyperbole, or any of the other elements that power online speech. Do you think that Trump and his Justice Department wouldn't relish opportunities like those? Or then again, maybe this is all for show. The Equality Act... Uh, I'm going to jump down. Politicians may really and truly care about equality, but they tend to care about politics more... Um, ultimately, the House's Equality Act bill contains too many loopholes that gives authoritarians on either side of the room too much space to grow. So this isn't just something that Christians and conservatives are having ish- and taking issue with. There are those on the other side of the aisle that also take issue with this bill. So if you have heard about this, it's probably been presented in a way that is the ultra-conservative, if you will, uh, presentation of why this bill is a problem. But I wanted to let you know, before we continue in why I believe this bill is a problem, which is the conservative viewpoint, that this isn't just, a, this isn't just something that conservatives find as a problem. 
there are those on the other side of the aisle that find this a problem as well. Now, their reasons might be different. They don't want there to be, uh, they don't want men now to be eligible for scholarships that were previously only available for uh, women. They don't want uh, men to be allowed to have to be permitted in any workspace that previously employed only women, and so on and so forth. Even though we want men to be able to use a women's restroom, we don't want them to be eligible for women's scholarships. Like, these things make absolutely no sense. <sighs> but let us move on. <coughs> Excuse me. Having some allergy issues this morning. And I need water, but it's, like, far away from me right now. And by far away, I mean on the top of the bookshelf, which is at least six steps away. And I can't get there and stay on the radio at the same time. <laughs> okay. Here, here is the main problem, as I see it, with this bill. It's a small provision, and it's stuck in the end of this thing, but it packs a really big punch. Okay, This is the verbiage that is most concerning to me out of everything else in this bill. It reads, quote, The Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application or enforcement of a covered title. And you're like, well, that's a lot of words. What do they mean? Great question. Here's what it means. We'll break it down with a simple example, okay? Everybody remembers the Colorado Baker. Jack Phillips. Everybody remembers what he went through. Everybody remembers how they just dragged him through the mud. And by they, I mean the media and the left. The First Amendment's religion clause and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, also known as RFRA, are the main means of defense available to Christians like Jack Phillips right now. Those are the legs you have to stand on. First Amendment's religion clause and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. What this bill does is chop off one of those legs. It completely eliminates your right to defense by invoking the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That act is what has allowed bakers like Jack Phillips and others to maintain their business while still exercising uh, what they believe is their religious rights and religious freedom. Again, folks on the family put it this way. They said what HR 5 does is to remove, in most cases, the last religious freedom defense available, or the RFRA, against the imposition of the bill's sexual ideology across the nation. Wedding vendors like Jack Phillips will be back in court again with no religious conscience defense to support their refusal to create a wedding cake for same-sex nuptials. But it wouldn't stop there. You're talking photographers, you're talking bakers, you're talking churches, schools. Your religious defense is gone. And let's not forget that also included in this, uh, in just kind of thrown in here, um, as one of the things that would be added to this to this piece of legislation would be pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition. Meaning that not only would doctors be unable to refuse to perform abortions, but employers would have to provide insurance that would cover both abortion and sex reassignment surgeries, medications, and procedures. 
and doctors would have no recourse or ability to consciously refuse dangerous and controversial procedures and medicines for those seeking a gender change or an abortion. So while we see uh, Alabama's abortion measure going through, 16 other states having similar legislation in the works, that eventually going probably to the Supreme Court. On the flip side, we have our Congress looking at a piece of legislation that would effectively override what is happening in these states. And you could say, well, what about state law? What about state sovereignty? Could the state still allow freedom of conscience? It could. But eventually, and this is just knowing how our country works, eventually a court will come along that will determine that H.R. 5 will overrule any other state law. Of additional concern, H.R. 5 states explicitly, and I quote, With respect to gender identity, an individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. So a man who believes he is a woman regardless of his physical appearance or bodily reality, or if he is even transitioning, could enter a women's locker room, dressing room, or restroom in any situation, at any place, and legally could not be prevented from doing so. Anywhere, anytime. Your kids, anybody else's kids. The bill also provides protections from a sexual stereotype or gender stereotype. I mean, what, what does that even mean? How far could that reach go? I mean, what about Walmart, Kohl's, JCPenney's? Are they going to be required to take down signage pointing to the men's section or to the women's section or to a boy's section or to a girl's section? What about clothing manufacturers? Are you allowed to create different... Uh, uh, gender-specific clothing? I mean, what? where does this go? What is considered a stereotype? How is someone protected from it? And what would the consequences be if someone were found guilty of quote-unquote stereotyping, whether they knowingly or unknowingly do so? Some other considerations, and then we'll take a break here in just a minute. Faith-based adoption and foster care agencies. Organizations that we desperately need. Organizations that are serving the underserved in our country. Organizations that are doing incredible work in building and restoring families. Faith-based centers who have... Um, guidelines and restrictions in place on what homes they will place children in, requiring them to have both a mother and a father and not a same-sex couple as the parents. They would be, under this legislation, they would be required to either change that belief and to allow anyone to adopt or foster or shut down. So you can you can conform or you can cease to exist. What about what about parents? What about Christian parents who 
whose children might be suffering with gender identity confusion for one reason or another, and they're choosing to work with, with professionals who are helping their children to embrace their bodily biological realities. Parents would no longer have the right to do that. And those who offer those services to those families would no longer have the right to provide those services. Conform or close your doors. Creative professionals like Jack Phillips already mentioned this, but florists, bakers, photographers, artists. You will participate in same-sex weddings or you will shut down your wedding-related services. One or the other. In our schools, children of all ages, all the ages in our public school system, would be taught sensitive and confusing topics related to marriage, relationships, sexuality, and identity. And in just a... I mean, kids that are already over-sexualized by our culture are now going to be presented with gender identity options and information and things that, that they don't need to know. What they need to know is one plus one is two, how phonics works, and that playing with cars or dolls or climbing trees is really fun. And yes, obviously the other, you know, spelling, arithmetic grammar, all the general, what was it, McGuffey's readers, whatever they were, all that stuff, but they don't need to be indoctrinated with gender orientation information when they're five and six and seven and eight years old, even nine and ten. And I haven't even really touched on the privacy aspect of this. I mean, a little bit. But gender-segregated private facilities, changing rooms, showers, restrooms, would be open to those who believe they are the opposite sex. Whether or not they are going through any sort of actual transition, whether or not they were born uh, biologically female, any guy, if he says he believes that he is the opposite sex, would not to be permitted to be forbidden access to any restroom he would choose to use at whatever time, in whatever place. So those are some aspects of this. But what it really boils down to is the Religious Freedom Clause. Because all of these other issues fall underneath that one. If they take away your right to say, I believe this, and because I believe this, I cannot do this or participate in this. If that right goes away, then, then you, 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 you have to comply. And I don't think that it is any coincidence that freedom of religion 
is the First Amendment to the Constitution. It's the first one because it falls with the most important things. It's the first one because our founding fathers knew that freedom of conscience for the individual was paramount to a free society. And that is what this whole act boils down to, is those on the left, and I believe this thing has been co-sponsored by all but maybe two or three Democrats in the House of Representatives, they want to remove your right to freedom of conscience based on your religious beliefs. This is, this is huge, huge news. And I don't often on this program encourage you to pick up the phone or pull up an email and contact your legislator. I mean, I, I, I do as a general uh, concept, but rarely on a specific issue. This one, though, I'm telling you, contact your elected officials, please. This, this will affect so many aspects of your life and your family's life if this were to become law. Do I think it will become law? I don't. Here's why. This is going to pass the House. I have no doubt whatsoever that this is going to pass the House. That should scare you just a little bit. Not in a, what are we going to do? The world is coming to an end. No, obviously not, because God is in control. But as an American, you should be a little worried about your country when this thing passes the House. I don't think that this will pass the Senate. It's possible, but I don't think it's likely. It could, though. If it makes it to the president, I have no doubt whatsoever that he will veto this thing. But I don't, I don't think it will make it that far. But the fact that it could get through the House now means that if, in the near future, Republicans were to, say, lose control of the Senate and or the presidency, once they've already got this written up, once it's already been through once, they can bring it up and put it through again in two years. And I believe that it is time for you, as a Christian, to let your elected representatives know that you believe in the First Amendment, that you, as a person of conscience and a person of conviction and a person with strong religious beliefs, do not want them to remove your right to exercise those beliefs. Now, don't call them up and rail against whatever poor assistant happens to answer the phone. Because uh, you're not going to talk to your actual congressman or senator, most likely. Sometimes. But probably not. It can be short. It can be simple. It can be to the point. You just call them and say, hey, I wanted to thank you for working for our congressman. And I wanted to just let you know that I appreciate that the congressman serves our district and that I pray for him or her on a daily basis. And also, I, I'm concerned about uh, H.R. 5 and uh, as a Christian, 
I'm worried that this would remove the uh, uh, the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act of 1993. And I would ask that the congressman would vote against that and that he would work to protect my religious freedoms. And then you say thank you, you say something nice. And then, and then that's it. It's simple. You don't need to go into a big lengthy thing. But let your congresspeople know, unless there are a lot of people that do this, it won't really budge the needle one way or another. And you might think, oh, well, my one phone call won't help anything. You're right. Your one phone call won't help anything. But if you're the 9,000th person that calls them to tell them this, that, that, that makes a difference. But it doesn't make a difference if you choose not to participate because you think that your, uh, your voice doesn't matter. Your voice does matter. Our elected officials work for us. They are not our rulers. They are our public servants. And it's important that you let them know, one, that you appreciate them, and two, in a, in a respectful manner, communicate that you expect them to represent your values. Now, Focus on the Family has a really easy... Yeah, really easy? Really easy action center website set up where you can contact your elected official no matter where you are in the entire country. Uh, you can put in your, your name and your address and it will pull up uh, your elected official. It will give you information on how you can contact them. You can either email them from that portal or it will provide you uh, with phone numbers where you can reach out to them as well. I will put a link to that portal up on both my uh, Facebook and Twitter pages at The Friddle so you can go and just click on that link and do that. But I would encourage you, please... Please do this. And by the way, this bill was introduced by a group of Democratic representatives that include uh, certain members that are running for president of the United States. So, again, it, it's I don't think this becomes a thing now. But if, uh, if Democrats take over any more bodies of power in the next couple of years, this could become a really, really big deal. It already is a big deal, just the fact that we are talking about eliminating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So contact your legislative officials. It will take you five minutes or less, depending uh, on the time of day, if you were calling, or if you want to customize uh, an email through the Focus on the Family portal. Either way, just do it. Just reach out. Even if you've never done it before, again, I will post a link Focus on the Family has has information. They even have prompts for, you know, you can call and here's good ways to, good things to say. And they have uh, a draft email already written out for you that you can just punch in your information to. You can add to it or not add to it. So, so simple. Take the five minutes and communicate with your elected official that you care about them, that you appreciate them, and respectfully ask that they represent you in this matter. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, world domination. <laughs> Stay with us. 
All right, we're back. It's the Fertile Show on KBXL 11.1 FM Experience. There'll be radio in Las Vegas. The number of Democrats vying for the presidential nomination is officially up to 23, with New York Mayor's Bill de Blasio announcing his run for president today, as the New York Post um, just has an incredibly mocking headline of this whole thing. Um yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, Mayor de Blasio, you're just, you're just probably not going to break through. Front runners at this point remain unchanged. Mayor Pete is actually headed in the wrong direction as Biden and Bernie and Warren uh, continue to remain the top three candidates there. At this point, no one uh, on the right challenging the sitting president could change, but even if they did, I don't think they would get anywhere. So that's what's happening on that front. Soccer is upon us and is about to explode. And you're like, I don't care about soccer. Why would you even say that word? Well, because you're going to care. The Women's World Cup is coming up in just a matter of weeks. And mm-hmm. Some of you are going to jump on the bandwagon. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the bandwagon you're jumping on and talk about an issue uh, related to our women's soccer team that has made some headlines this week. Uh, Our women's team has two remaining friendlies before the World Cup, New Zealand and Mexico, uh, coming up. Our first World Cup match will be on June uh, 11th. We are grouped with Thailand, Chile, and Sweden. And general consensus is that the U.S. will make it not only past the group stage, but far into the cup and probably, if all goes well, into the final. Now, personally, I love the Women's World Cup. I love uh, the Men's World Cup. I love the Under-17 World Cup. I just, I love the World Cups. It's basically the Olympics for soccer, and I love it. Growing up, I played soccer. I distinctly remember uh, the World Cups of my childhood and the women's teams. I think it was, was it like 91, 93, somewhere in the early 90s, our women's team was just incredible. Our women's team has always been better than our men's team, but well, not like if they played each other. I mean, on the world stage, our women's team has always been amazing. Our men's team has always kind of been kind of blah. That may be changing, though. We've got some very promising young players. Josh Sargent, Tim Weah, Christian Pulisic, kid from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, anyway, the U.S. women's national team is in the news again this week, not because, though, of the World Cup coming up or our extensive soccer skills, but because of an interview given by one of our players, Megan Rapino, arguably one of the best female players in the world and certainly top tier on our national team. Now, uh, Rapino told Yahoo Sports earlier this week, she did an interview with them relating to the fact that she joined in on Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick's flag protests uh, in years past. She would kneel during the anthem. And uh, she was talking to Yahoo Sports and said, quote, I'll probably never put my hand over my heart. I'll probably never sing the national anthem again. And that she is a walking protest when it comes to the Trump administration because of everything I stand for. She added, quote, I feel like it's kind of defiance in and of itself to just be who I am and wear the jersey and represent it. Because I'm as talented as I am, I get to be here and you don't get to tell me if I can be here or not. So it's kind of a good blank you to any sort of inequality or bad statements that the Trump administration might have towards people who don't look exactly like him which god help us if we all looked like him scary really scary uh disturbing when she was asked about 
uh, why she was kneeling. She said, I know what it means to look at the flag and not have it protect all of your liberties. So she knelt. She is also uh, openly gay, playing for our team. And the United States Soccer Federation responded to Rapina's protests. I believe it was in 2017? 2016, I think. Uh, they said that our national anthem is an opportunity to reflect upon the liberties and freedom we all appreciate in this country. As part of the privilege to represent your country, we have an expectation that our players and coaches will stand and honor our flag while the national anthem is played. Later in March 2017, it became official uh, U.S. Soccer Federation policy that team members stand respectfully during national anthems. Rapino then responded that it is an honor to represent the USA and all that we stand for to be able to put on the red, white, and blue and to play the game that I love and that she would respect the new law. And since that time, she has. But in this interview with Yahoo this week, Rapino said, quote, using this blanketed patriotism as a defense against what the protest actually is was pretty cowardly. I think the NFL does it. I felt like the statement from U.S. soccer and then the rule they made without ever talking to me, that was the same as what the NFL was doing, just to not have the conversation, to try to just stop me from doing what I'm doing, instead of at least having a conversation and trying to figure out a solution that makes sense for everyone. Now, mind you, the NFL teams are not representing the United States on the world stage. I feel that if you are playing for a U.S. national team, you are literally representing the United States. You are wearing the flag, carrying the flag. You will stand for the flag. Does that make sense? Like, you, you're literally representing the country on the world stage. It's like the Olympics, okay? Yahoo also asked her what, she, what, what needed to happen for her to stop protesting, protesting and again, uh, you know, feel good about standing for the flag, which she will do and has done because it's what soccer uh, requires. But, uh, um... When asked what would cause her to feel better and what would be a good solution, because she said that she, there needs to be a solution that makes sense to everyone, she said, quote, it would take a lot. It would take criminal justice reform. It would take the huge inequality gap that we have to be much better. It would take a lot of progress in LGBTQ rights. We just have such a disparity in this country in so many different ways, inequality in so many different ways. So she wants a conversation and solutions. But criminal justice reform, inequitable wage gap, which, by the way, is a complete myth, progress in LGBT rights, such as what exactly? Like, you're, 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 I, I don't understand. You can't have a conversation or discuss solutions if you don't actually have any solutions and all you're spouting off is talking points. Oh, well, we need criminal justice reform. Okay, cool. What is your plan for that? Can we talk about... Do, do, do you have a plan? They don't, they, she doesn't have a plan. <laughs> she doesn't have any idea. She just has talking points. Drives me crazy. Criminal justice reform, sure, yeah. Have you heard of Hope for Prisoners? That's a great angle. Let's, let's help that go nationwide. The wage gap, well, we just need some more education there because there is no wage gap. And LGBT rights, what, what, what rights are we talking about? Do you want, like, are you talking about uh, transgender rights to, like, restrooms? Are you talking about uh, marriage, quote-unquote, equality? Because for you to have those rights, then other people's religious rights must be uh, trampled upon. So whose rights... You see what I'm saying? Like, this is... You can't just spout talking points without saying 
this is what I believe we need. And as such, then when you protest, it just becomes a pointless protest if all you have are platitudes. Also, the fact that our flag is a universal symbol of hope and freedom, regardless of what Rapino or anyone else might think, it actually is. And if what you say you want is more rights, regardless of whatever cause you want them for, then you should want to support our flag, not protest it, because nowhere else in the world has an overarching record of hope and freedom like the United States does. Not to mention that the flag doesn't actually represent the president either. I mean, you, me, Rapino, Trump, we all represent the flag. The flag is the same flag that flew when Barack Obama was president, when, uh, when Abraham Lincoln was president, give or take a star or two. Same flag that flew when Bill Clinton was president. It's not the flag's fault. You're like, well, it's what the flag represents. Yeah, the flag represents all that's good and right in America. Are there bad things in our country? Sure. But I'm not going to get into the whole kneeling flag debate again. In fact, I was so relieved at how the whole flag protesting thing just seemed to disappear. Did you notice that? Like, it was, it was the biggest deal in the world, and then it just kind of fizzled out. You know why? Because the media and our president stopped f the feeding frenzy on the topic. Like, if you stop feeding the lion... <sighs> but if you want my take on the whole flag thing, I did an episode uh, during the Kaepernick era, went into this in-depth this whole thing. You can go listen to it on SoundCloud. Just search for The Fiddle Show if you want. My, I'm not gonna, I don't have time to, to rehash the whole flag situation. But when it comes to Rapino's statements specifically, I have seen many people, conservatives particularly, online saying, well, it doesn't matter what she thinks because nobody knows who she is. Nobody cares about her and nobody cares what she thinks. Okay, well, first of all, Everyone who watches the World Cup will know who she is. Secondly, anyone who has even a slight genuine interest in soccer knows who she is, which is, by the way, the majority of the world's population. And third, like her or not, she will be and she is representing you and your country in the upcoming World Cup. Not to mention, lastly, and perhaps most importantly, that the attitude of, well, we don't know who she is, so we don't care what she thinks. Well, that attitude is part of the problem with our country. Just because you don't agree with someone doesn't mean you can't care. Also, odds are, in reality, nobody knows who you are. But you seem to think that your opinion matters. So, if your opinion matters, why would her opinion not matter? And I think that she's right. Like, like I said before, with criminal justice reform and things, I, I think that she's right and that we should be having conversations. I don't think this whole attitude of hers with the blank the president is a great conversation starter. But neither is the we don't care who you are, so we don't care what you think mentality. I mean, both sides need to be bigger people on this. But when push comes to shove, right, Rapino's going to stand. And I applaud U.S. soccer for their decision. Again, particularly seeing as how you are representing the country on the world stage and will probably be competing uh, against countries that actually have terrible uh, human and civil rights records. So you should stand at the very least for our flag and our anthem. And I have respect for Rapino for agreeing to stand. Hopefully she continues to follow through on that throughout the World Cup. But while everyone is wrapped up in this Rapino controversy and whether or not this kneeling thing is a deal... And how she thinks she isn't represented by the flag, and that 
that she is subsequently trampled upon because no one cares about uh, her rights. Meanwhile, U.S. soccer, in my opinion, is actually tossing aside an incredibly qualified player for expressing her politically incorrect opinion. And if, if you want to talk about a controversy in U.S. soccer related to actual rights, there's this girl named Jolene Hinkle. Super talented soccer player. Amazing left back. Probably the best left back in U.S. women's uh, soccer league. The, the U.S. Women's Soccer League. I forget what it's called. It's like the National Women's Soccer Federation or something. And the position that she plays, left back, is one where the U.S. Women's National Team is very weak. This girl played in eight matches for our national team. She turned down her ninth call-up because for her ninth call-up, she would have been required to wear a gay pride jersey, and as an outspoken Christian, that was something that she was uncomfortable with, so she declined that invitation to play for the U.S. That, that, uh, in that tournament, or match, I forget which it was. I think it was a match. Subsequently, she was called up again, but cut almost immediately from the team, despite being unquestionably talented and, again, one of, if not the best left backs in, US, in the U.S. Women's Soccer League right now. If you want a U.S. Women's National Team controversy, it's not Megan Rapino. It's Jolene Hinkle, the outspoken Christian who isn't allowed to have an opinion, even though her teammates have no problems with her, just like Rapino's teammates have no problems with her, the U.S. national team is making a statement, all right. Rapino, an outspoken lesbian, is given a platform. A little bit of a slap on the wrist, like, everybody, we want you to stand for the flag. Personally, I don't consider that much of a slap on the wrist, but, you know, okay. But Hinkle, an outspoken Christian, is sent to the bench. Apparently permanently. Rapino, outspoken lesbian, platform. Hinkle, outspoken Christian, bench. Now, it may have something to do with the fact that the Women's World Cup traditionally has more openly uh, lesbian athletes and openly lesbian fans than any other worldwide sporting event. Or, maybe, maybe, when it comes to HR5, Women's National Team, and a myriad of things in between, tolerance has become a one-way street into intolerance. You will comply... or you will close up shop. Pray for our nation, people. Pray for our nation. I still believe that we are the freest, most blessed country in the world. But unless you're a student of history, you have no idea how quickly this can all be taken away from us. As Ronald Reagan put it, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And that's all the time that I have left for today. Thanks so much for being with us. Always a pleasure to have you here. I will have that uh, that link for Focus on the Family up on my Twitter and Facebook pages so you can go and express uh, your thoughts, questions, concerns to your uh, legislative personnel regarding H.R. 5. I hope that you will take the few minutes that are required to do that today. And, uh, and then, you know, while you're on the on the on the internet 
if you don't already follow me on Facebook or Twitter or SoundCloud, you can go do an, all of those things. You can do all those things and make it real easy for you. It's just at the Friddle. Boom. See you there. And that's it. I'm going to go drink a lot of water and uh, see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place on KVXL 101.1 FM. Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas.